0: Well, we're talking today, as you could probably guess from the title, about the collection for the Lord's people, a line taken from New Testament scripture about giving. And so we are talking about giving today. This afternoon we'll gather at 5 o'clock and we will have an opportunity to practice our giving. A uh, different kind of giving, right? It's we're going to be able to give candy uh, to kids. And I hope some of you are willing to give candy to, I don't know, say a preacher who might happen up on the trunk or the back of your vehicle and ask if you have any of those mini Snickers or mini Twix. Uh, because they, they bring ever so temporary joy to my life. But nonetheless, um, I love how we are able to take something, you know, we talk sometimes. Sometimes we gather here and you hear me use that word pagan, right? Because we talk about how uh, the children of Israel often turned from God and turned toward worshiping uh, pagan gods. And so I love how we are able to take something that has pagan roots and able to celebrate it in a way that we bring it from darkness into light. And it's a gathering in which we can have fun with it and we can show the love of Jesus. You know, here in a church parking lot. And so I, I love that we can take something that might have had certain origins and we can give it, bring it into the light of love. And it has a completely different and innocent meaning uh, to us. And so that is something that we're going to have an opportunity to do today at 5 o'clock, as you've already heard this morning. And so hope you're able to join us this evening and uh, bring those crock pots full of uh, chili or soup or whatever and those finger foods, and we're going to have a great time this evening. And yes, there will be a little form of giving. I remember years ago, I worked for a radio station and I had... uh, I had a a boss who told me, he said, here's some money out of petty cash, Uh, go buy candy for the Christmas parade. And so I took the money and I went to Walmart and I bought copious amounts of candy for our Christmas parade. Because we put our station vehicles in the parade and tossed candy out the window. I was looking forward to my first year, my first Christmas with the company, looking forward to it. And I come back, he said, where's my change? I said, there is no change. I said, uh, he said, what did you buy? And I said, well, I bought, you know, and of course, what did I buy? I bought Snickers, and I bought Reese's, and I bought, you know, he wanted me to buy peppermints. Now, y'all know, in a parade, People are not going to bend over to pick up a peppermint, right? But now they'll knock each other over for for you know chocolate, you know for for the good stuff. And so my whole thing was I, his name was Darren, and, and I said Darren, do unto others. I said I don't want you throwing a peppermint at me, so I'm not throwing a peppermint at somebody else. And so so yeah, it was it was uh, it was a whole thing of, of bring the good stuff. And so uh, we talk about giving, and giving is an ancient practice instituted by God and we look at some ancient scriptures this morning from Exodus 35 verse 5 from what you have take an offering for the Lord everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze now notice what it says there that opening, that first introductory phrase there of that sentence from what you have where did it come from church family we've given our lives over to God haven't we if we count ourselves among the body of Christ as children of God among the body of believers we gave our life away didn't we we died to our old self and our life now belongs to God and so don't we look at everything that we have as something that comes from God? Isn't it true that, yes, we, we can work hard for what we have. But isn't it God that gives us the ability to work hard for what we have? If you're able to get out of bed in the morning unaided, if you're able to go to work, Because there are some people who cannot do that. And so praise God for the abilities that He's given us. Praise God if you've got a good work ethic. Praise God for the people that He has put in your life that were either an example of a good work ethic or maybe the people that you've witnessed that you've said, that's not the way to do it. I'm going to do it a better way. And so regardless of whether you were taught good work habits or you noticed and observed some bad work habits, if you are someone who is willing to go and work hard, praise God that you have that work ethic instilled in you however it came about. And so what God is simply saying is, I'm asking you to give back, if you're willing, a portion of what you have, a portion of what you have been given. And so I want us to look at at Leviticus 27. These are the closing verses of uh, the, the book of Leviticus. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Whoever would redeem any of their tithe must add a fifth of the value to it. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. No one may pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. If anyone does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. These are the commands the Lord gave Moses at Mount Sinai for the Israelites. So those closing words of the book of Leviticus, Excuse me. And they have to do with tithing. They have to do with that ancient practice of giving a tenth of what you have. And so it was. there was a tithe of the, the, the crops that were harvested. There was a tithe of the livestock. It wasn't just merely financial. Of course, for them, it's a way of life. So it really was financial. But you notice where it says, uh, if you would ever redeem any of the tithe. In other words, if you missed it, you could go back and do kind of a makeup tithe. I don't know about you, but I know what it's like to be gone for a week. Whether I'm out sick, whether I'm on vacation, I know what it's like to make up my tithe, to make up my offering, whatever I had set aside. And I double up uh, the next week. And so that practice, too, is ancient. And then we look over in Deuteronomy chapter 14. Beginning with verse 22. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine, and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place He will choose as a dwelling for His name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. You see right there? So that you may learn. There's a reason that God instituted the practice of giving. It was a learning process to get the people in the habit of of thinking of, of people other than themselves. And it's a practice that continues today. That we give. There's a basket out there in the lobby. And we give back. Because we acknowledge that it's all from God in the first place. And we give because we are in the habit of thinking of others and not just ourselves. But if that place, verse 24, is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord, your God, and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands." And so you see there, lots of, you know, when you get to the latter part of Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, lots of guidelines, lots of laws, lots of regulations about how to live. But you see there that God has instituted the practice of giving. Wants His people to learn to be generous. And you see there it mentions the fatherless, okay, the orphans. Mentions the widows. That you're taking care of the people who don't have someone to help take care of them. And then we look over in the book of Malachi, chapter 3. The last book of the Hebrew Scriptures or the Old Testament. And in Malachi 3, beginning with verse 8, "...will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house." says the Lord Almighty. And this goes back to the very reason that God chose His people. He chose His people because He wanted to bless them like no other people. And He wanted all the people around them to be able to turn away from the pagan gods that they were worshiping because they said, Boy, look at the Israelites. Look at those people. They are blessed beyond measure. The insects don't devour their crops, the pests. Those people have the best land. They have the best of everything. And, you know, what separates them from us? Well, we have all these gods that we pray to, all these gods that we sacrifice to, all these gods that we worship. And they just have the one God, Yahweh. And of course, if we know the story, the Israelites failed on that front many, many times. And I have to say, are we any better? Are we really? Because I don't think we are. In our individual lives, we fall short, don't we? What do we say here? On our best day, we are sinners saved by grace. And so yeah, we too fall short. But God is saying, you know, you rob me when you don't give back what portion I've asked you to give back. Now, I have to kind of issue the caveat here. Because Malachi 3, I think, is one of those places where some preachers today kind of develop what we would call a gospel of prosperity or a health and wealth gospel. That if you give, then God is going to bless you. Now, I will say yes, that's true. If we are givers... If we are faithful to God, He's going to bless us. He's not going to bless us with mansions and yachts and, you know, $50,000 vacations. No. And anybody who tells you that that's what Malachi 3 is saying, I believe is sorely mistaken. But I can say this... I've tried to be a faithful giver for most of my adult life. I've told the story before, and I'll tell it again today. haven't preached on giving in over a year. And I know some of you arrived today and you said, oh, lucky us. Well, I will say this and Rick, Rick Jones and I had this conversation not long ago because I was going to do this at different points during the fall recently as last week and I thought you know what the idea of folks sitting at their house churches talking about giving uh, is, is not maybe the best subject for our house church gatherings so I chose it on a time when we're, our house churches are not going to meet so uh, there is that consideration. And this is not an appeal to give more simply because the coffers are bare. I look at the board back there, and I'm reminded that this church, this body, has been giving well of late. And I applaud you for that. So this has nothing to do with being a reactionary message to something that is failing here. Not at all. Nowhere close. But it's simply to remind us of why God asks us to give back. So that we are in the habit of thanking others and not just ourselves. So that we support what goes on here within this body. The ministries that this body undertakes. And if you ever wonder, where does the money go? What ministries do we support? Ask me or one of the shepherds. We'll be happy to discuss that with you. And, you know, just this week, we were able to pay for a room for the night for a woman and her elderly mother who needed a place to stay. I think that's money well spent. The person who owns the motel gives churches a deal, 50 bucks. And so that is $50 well spent of the Lord's money, I believe, serving someone in the name of Christ. And we do that in many, many different ways. But God wants us to be thinking of others and not just ourselves. He wants us to be acknowledging that what we have is a gift from Him. And I can tell you that years ago when Stacy and I were doing our taxes and we looked at our itemized list and we looked at what we were giving and I said, you know, we have not been the kind of stewards that we need to be. And so from that point forward... And I don't remember how long ago that was. That was probably some at least 20 plus years ago. We made a more conscious effort to be better stewards with what God has given us. It took intentionality on our part within our household. And I can tell you this. I know what it's like to need help. And whether it's financial help or any other kind of help, God has always seen that I have that, that my family has what we need. So no, living in a mansion, I can't tell you what that's like. You know, uh, the, the uh, biggest boat I've ever been on, yeah, I was on a cruise ship once. It's, it's very different than traveling on a luxury yacht, I can tell you that. But... I do know what it's like to be blessed. I do know what it's like to have enough and to even have some extra. If you look at Luke chapter 3, when John the Baptist is preaching at the Jordan and people say, well, what should we do? And one of the things he tells them is that if you have extra, give it to somebody who doesn't have of all the things he could have told him right there. He says, here's one thing you do, one thing to start acting like you're different from everybody else. If you've got even just a little bit of extra, you got an extra shirt that you don't have to have, give it to somebody who doesn't have one. Whatever little extra you've been blessed with, then give that away to someone who doesn't have and that's this ancient practice of giving and looking at others who might be in need, considering others more than we consider ourselves. Now, you might wonder, why all this time in the Old Testament? Why not? You know, because the New Testament doesn't say a whole lot about the practice of giving. In the Old Testament, they had the temple. We get to the New Testament, and yeah, the temple is still standing, at least it would be until the year A.D. 70, but there are needs that arise. And there are contributions. And so in 1 Corinthians 16, it begins with these two verses. Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So Paul is looking forward to arriving in Corinth again, all is saying, you know, it'll be great that when you, uh, when I arrive, we don't need to worry about this stuff because you all have been in this practice of giving on the first day of the week, and your contribution, like I told the Galatians, is sent to a place that has a genuine need. And of course, we still do what is set described here in verse two, don't we? First day of every week. We set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. No specific percentage is mentioned, but in keeping means proportional. When you get a raise or you get a new job and you're making more, then you give more. When you clear some hurdles financially that might have hindered your giving once upon a time and you're able to give more, then you give more. Proportional with your income. Something that you have to decide between you and God what is right. And it goes beyond just financial. Dusty Baker had a 19-year career in Major League Baseball. Played uh, for the Dodgers. Went to three World Series, won one World Series ring. Uh, with uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, I think he won, uh, was a two-time All-Star, won a couple of Silver Slugger Awards, won at least one gold glove for his fielding ability. You might be saying, well, Greg, why do you need to give us his resume? Uh, why not just tell us that Dusty Baker was a baseball player? Well, here's why. Because... As I've just described, he wasn't just any baseball player. There are plenty of guys that have won more World Series or won more gold gloves or been to the All-Star Game more times than twice in a career. But to be able to play in the major leagues for 19 years says something about your ability. Very few people that aspire to make that level of, of that sport actually get there. And many of them that do only have the staying power to stay 5, 8, 10 years maybe. And then injuries or lack of ability keep them from playing longer. So to play 19 years says something about good fortune with your health for one thing, but also your ability to play the game at a high level for a long time. But then he goes on to be a manager and manages 5 different teams in Major League Baseball. All 5 of those teams while he was their skipper won their division at some point and made it to the postseason, made it to the playoffs. It's one thing to do it for one team, two teams. He did it with 5 different teams, finally last year, winning that long-awaited World Series trophy with the Houston Astros. And just this week, Dusty Baker said, I'm done. He walked away from the game. But in doing so, he said something that caught my attention, and yes, I've noticed that this is the third sermon in a row in which I've used a sports analogy. Uh, I didn't plan to do it this week, but I thought this was so appropriate with what we're talking about. But in his departure from the game he said I appreciate my career but there's something missing What's missing Not a gold glove not a silver slugger and not a trip to the all-star game not a world series ring as a player or as a manager That's quite a career 74 years old and finally deciding, okay, this is time to hang it up. But he says there's something missing. And he said, I need to find a way to give back. And he said in that interview, he said, I don't know yet what it's going to look like. He said, I don't know if it's working with youth in an underprivileged area. He said, I have no idea. He said, but I pray that I find it. I pray that he finds it as well. Because after all that career, he still says, there's something missing. He could just play golf and put his feet up for crying out loud. But in his departure from the game, he acknowledges, as as good as all this was, this isn't what it's all about. It's a church family. You may be looking at the balance in your checkbook and say, "You know what? I can't give any more." I get that. Financially, yes. But there are other ways to give, and I did not want us to leave this place this morning without a brief discussion on that fact. That giving is not just, you know, pulling the wallet out and opening it up or writing a check or going online to our website, however you choose to give. That giving is more than that. That God institutes the practice of giving so that we are in the habit of being givers, not takers. There are sometimes we have to take. Sometimes we have to be the recipient of someone else's blessing. But when that happens, He wants us to appreciate that and have a mindset and an attitude that we are going to give in some way. That we will be a giving and generous people. Giving of our time, giving of our talent, our abilities. Whatever it might look like. Dusty Baker a few days ago didn't know what that looked like. But he's looking for it. He's searching. And so if you don't yet know what it looks like, you're not alone. Look for ways that you can give back. Give of yourself. Pour yourself into someone else. Because that is a big part of why we exist, church family. Close out with words from 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, right church? Not luxury stuff, but all that you need, all that we need, you will abound in every good work. Not just the practice of giving financially, but every good work. I pray that we are able to do just that. That we are able to be a people who appreciate what God has given us and to be a people who look for ways to give of ourselves and that we can... By the grace of God, abound in every good work that we undertake for His kingdom. If you are not a child of God, we offer the invitation for you to change that once and for all. The opportunity that you have to say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And you can become a child of God today. We will make the waters of baptism available to you. And if you're with us this morning and you have some other need, something that's weighing on you, something you would appreciate us praying about with you, then the invitation is for that reason as well. Let's stand together and sing.